You're listening to The Weird Sisters, Harry Potter Reread, Episode 17. On today's show, we discuss Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Chapters 13, 14, and 15. Hello and welcome to The Weird Sisters. I'm Danielle. And I'm Allison. And we are back with the Prisoner of Azkaban, and things are really getting going. There's also a lot of Quidditch. Yes, okay, there is a lot of Quidditch, yes. <laughs> um, but before we get to that, we have, you know, the return of Ron and Hermione drama. Well, Crookshanks did eat Scabbers. No, but... Well, that is, that's what's presumed. A reasonable person would presume. <laughs> But Hermione's not too reasonable at this moment. Yeah, she's a little stressed. Yes, and this is really a precursor to multiple episodes we will have going forward in the books where they're not speaking to each other. It's a bit ridiculous. You mean in general or this situation? Um, both. I think all of their fights are always unfounded. I don't know. If I'm Ron, I'm pretty mad at Hermione. <laughs> I know, you don't care about people's pets just like Hermione doesn't. <laughs> but if he eats my pet, I'm a little mad. Okay, but they're both, in this fight and all of them, are just, like, in my mind, it's not a big deal. And, as Hagrid will point out, really? Come on. Like, <laughs> get over this. You're both being stubborn. Yes, they bring out the angstiest part of each other. They make each other... They like each other, so they feel insecure around each other. I don't think they like each other yet. They they love-hate each other. Do they? Yes! You think think at this point they have feelings for each other well not like acknowledge romantic feelings but i think they feel a little weird around each other yes that totally undermines their friendship no it doesn't they don't even they don't even really know it yet why can't they just be friends they are they are but they also but but their friendship with each other is different than their friendship with harry and it always has been. That's because Harry's the chosen one. <laughs> when you're friends with the chosen one, you're not allowed to get mad at him. <laughs> well, and you just, you know, it's like intimate, but in a different way. Yeah. Their relationship is more passionate. It will eventually become romantically passionate. Right now, it's just angry passionate. Now it's just trivial and silly. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, so, you know, her, uh, Ron is making a very big deal about Scabber's death, that he's very sad. Perhaps putting it on a little bit for Hermione's yes. Like Yes! As everyone else points out, you didn't like him anyway. He was old and useless. <laughs> Except we're reminded that he bit Goyle. Yes. His lasting testament. Yes. <laughs> oh. So that's going on, uh, but Ron wants to ride the Firebolt, which he's going to get to do after Quidditch practice. So that's fun. We finally get to ride the Firebolt. Well, and everyone's amazed by it. Yes. And of course, I'm sure Hermione didn't want to participate because she still feels judged for getting the Firebolt taken away. I think Hermione is afraid of broomsticks. I think that is reasonable, yes. Because <laughs> she's not very good at it. 
No. And you could fall. <laughs> she just stays away. Yeah. So practicing the fireball, it's all very fun. But on the way back, they see the Grim. Except it's not. It's Crookshanks. <laughs> well, and Harry only sees this. Yes, and he realizes it's Crookshanks eventually. Though he was, like, that's his first reaction. Yes. But yet he was also right, too. Right? If Crookshanks is out mysteriously in the forest, then Black has to be right nearby. Yes, and this is a little foreshadowing, right? That, Mm -hmm. what is the cat doing out in the forest? He seems up to things. (laughs) He is up to things. How does the cat get out of the castle? Uh, Cats can fit through small holes, man. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) All right. And, like, okay, are there just, like, litter boxes in Gryffindor Tower? (laughs) (laughs) Seems like it should be smarter than that somehow. Does it use a toilet? Is that what you're suggesting? Okay. Well, I would like to point out, not really, but you brought it up, that there is a, except for one sort of exception, a complete... Oh, that's not true either. But basically, we never... People don't use the bathroom at Hogwarts. <laughs> they I use mean, it to store their ghost bodies, Okay. <laughs> And make their polyjuice potion. But really, like, it's not its not something that's included. Is It never really comes up casually that there are bad... Like, I always... Where do they shower? You know, all of that good stuff yeah. never gets covered. Ne- except the only thing we get, right, is the prefix bathroom for the egg later on. Yeah. In the fourth book. But then you're like, what are all the regular bathrooms? Is this, like, a dorm? Do you have a private one? Are they... Like, you just don't know. You know, I've never wondered where they shower, but now... Really? Now I would... That is a burning question. Now I would like a Quidditch locker room shower scene, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you've never wondered that. I haven't. It's never mentioned. We really are very interested in the topics (laughs) of wizard elimination. Have you noticed this? (laughs) Well, that's... You know... They have plumbing now, but who knows what they did before? <laughs> we know what they did before. They vanished <gasps> <Wait>. it. <laughs> Wait, do wizards shower? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. It seems like you should be able to, like, poof yourself clean. Okay, moving on. We've got a lot to cover. <laughs> okay. Alright, we've already talked about bathroom etiquette too much. Yes. Okay, Quidditch. The next match is against Ravenclaw. Yep. And we learn that Cho Chang is going to be the seeker. A Mm. new character. Yes. And she's quite pretty. (laughs) Because that's relevant. Well, it is relevant. It's a little distracting for Harry. Yeah. Uh, This is really his first romantic line of any kind in the books. Is that he, she's kind of pretty in the end it makes him feel a little funny <laughs> yeah. uh, and I also noticed this that Cedric Diggory congratulates Harry on the firebolt mm-hmm. isn't that a big thing of him to do oh. he's going to use his firebolt to beat his team 
but it's a bit, you know, Cedric Diggory's a nice guy, and he's genuinely glad Cedric that Cedric he... is Hufflepuff. Yes, that's true. Okay, so it's not like an eminent defeat. That's true. I I noticed it too, but I didn't think it was like. Well, he's like he's. Like, I noticed that he's not jealous. He's genuinely happy that Harry gets the best room ever. Well, that's because he's Cedric. I know. I was just pointing it out. All right. Genuinely nice guy. Genuinely nice guy. Also, when you were watching the movies, at like I don't know how old was I probably when this movie came out, like fourteen or fifteen. Hot guy. Oh, I don't remember that. I remember that he was the hotness. So when we watch the movie, we'll have to see how hot he remains. <laughs> well, that's what all the the ladies, right? Everyone thinks he's yeah attractive. That's true. Uh. And I also like the little uh, scene that Percy has bet his girlfriend ten galleons on the outcome of this match. Well, and before he said it, I was like, how do you have that much money? <laughs> Turns out he doesn't. Right. So really, he's just playing his girlfriend for money. Yeah, pretty much. Like, if he lost, would she, like, break his knuckles or something for the money? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, okay. So we get to the match, and Jordan is commentating, and he's mostly commentating about the firebolt. Yeah, there was some good commentary scenes in these chapters. Yes, McGonagall screams, Jordan, are you being paid to advertise the firebolts? (laughs) And Cho is on a terrible broom, not a firebolt. So, (laughs) so So she can't really outrace Harry. So her strategy is to, like, mark him and block him. Get in the way. Yes. Not a bad strategy. Though I don't know really how you win that way. I guess you hope to get lucky. I don't know. Yeah. Though, oh. (laughs) So then, who was it? Was it Wood that yells at Harry? Yeah. (laughs) To not be a gentleman and knock her off her broom? Yes. Yep, which he doesn't do, but he does win the match. But on his way to winning the match, Dementors appear, and Harry whips out his wand and casts a a first real Patronus, catches the snitch, it's a great victory. And he's like, I feel surprisingly well. (laughs) Yes. Wow, I've really got this down. Except it was not Dementors. Yeah, it was Malfoy and the gang dressing up. Which is, one, a horrible thing to do, but also ridiculous. I think it's like like kids standing on shoulders with a coat over them. How <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, if it wasn't, you know, Malfoy and the gang, which we hate, I would actually think that was a pretty good joke. <laughs> <laughs> Except the last time, it's based on... Harry falling and nearly dying. Well, so that's what you're trying to emulate. Yeah. Like I said, they, they were a bit mean-spirited in their intentions, but I thought it was kind of funny. But, so you like the classic ridiculous and <laughs> just imagine like little kids who are ghosts at Halloween and they're like, you know, waving their arms and making yeah. weird sounds. <laughs> I like it. And then it's also funny to imagine the other end when they get bowled over by a very unexpected Patronus. Yeah. 
Yes, it was good. So to se- then we have to celebrate our Quidditch victory by a classic Gryffindor party. Yes, all night, all day. Butterbeer's for everyone. Mm-hmm. But Hermione's having no part of this. She's got too much to do. Well, the- <laughs> she did go to the match, though. Yes, she did. And I believe prior in the chapter, she does express that she does care about the outcome of the match. But she's also got other things on her mind. She has quite a bit of work to do. Yes. In fact, she's another great title that I enjoyed. During the party, she's reading Home Life and Social Habits of British Muggles. As in herself. Yes, as in herself. (laughs) She's not a muggle. Her family. Her her parents. Yes. She's like, what she was until before she knew. She's like, oh, wait, my parents watch the news on television after dinner. (laughs) Yes. Oh, and this provides another opportunity for Ron and Hermione to get into it. And for Hermione to run off crying. She doesn't quite have the smart comebacks. She is dangerously close to going off her rocker, basically. <laughs> yeah, that seems like it more than anything in this. Like, sure, she's upset, but she just, like, is so near the breaking point. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is, I mean, obviously, I feel bad for her, but I think it's nice to see something in Hermione that, you know, that she can't quite handle everything she thinks she can handle. Mm-hmm. Or with all the grace that maybe yeah. is required. Yeah. And Ron, you know, Harry's like, come on, can you forgive her already? I'm sick of this. It's like, boy, Harry, I got news for you. You're going to be in the middle of this for a long time. <laughs> But he says, you know, yeah, he would forgive her if she would just admit, if she would act like she was sorry, but she'll mm-hmm. never admit she's wrong. And she keeps acting like Scabbers has gone on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Though, he, I mean, he's, like, he's right kind of in the moment, but wrong ultimately. Yes, I mean, he can be a git. <laughs> and in his in the way he antagonizes Hermione and like yeah, it's terrible and you know is always like dramatically complaining and sighing in her presence he's a get but he <laughs> but he is right that Hermione won't apologize for something that sort of seems clear that even if it's not directly her fault she should probably apologize for and she doesn't want to admit she's wrong he's not wrong about that but she does eventually. Yes, and so does he. And we're getting to that, but. Though, I really like this because then McGonagall shows up. <laughs> and, like, you know, in her nightgown and cap. Her tartan she, nightgown. What is a tartan nightgown? I don't know. <laughs> but it seems fitting. And, and like, tells them all that's enough and to go to bed. One... It's only one in the morning, which is not that late. Like, for kids, especially older kids, that's not that late. So, what is their bedtime normally? And who enforces that? (laughs) I don't know. And two, I want to know, like, this is a castle. It's a big place. And, (laughs) again, so the teacher's bored there, right? But, like, is McGonagall's room close by? And it's too Uh, loud? I was thinking (laughs) about that, and I kind of figured, okay... 
there's nobody directly staying with them. No adult. And there's no. a bunch of kids in this tower. I bet this tower is under some magical surveillance. <laughs> I bet she's got a little magic security camera in that common room. And she's like, all right. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. She probably watched, you know, can catches a lot of, you know, 1 a.m. makeout sessions or something that's secretly being recorded. <laughs> oh. I don't think she's spying on no, them. I think, no. I think she can look in. You wouldn't just leave them all completely unsupervised, would you? Well, when... they seem to. Yeah, seem to. Magic, man, magic. I don't know about all that, but... <laughs> Oh, and I just Googled Tartan, and it's like, it's a, a plaid. So she has a plaid nightgown. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, anyway, after McGonagall breaks up the party, though, Harry has this weird dream. Is there supposed to be a significance to this? I was wondering this, too. Okay, so he's, like, chasing the fireball through the forest. Okay, I don't know that that necessarily has significance beyond he's been thinking a lot about a firebolt. <laughs> Although maybe it is supposed to be like Sirius Black is in the forest and Sirius Black is the one who gave him the firebolt. Oh, okay. Ma- like that might be a stretch, but... Okay, and he... you wrote he hears hooves. And now I-, now I can't remember if I actually read this or if I just assumed it was this way. I thought he was, he saw, like, some hooved Patronus figure. But I'm not, I can't remember if they actually say the word Patronus or that was just in my mind. I think that's in your mind. Okay, it might be. Oh, I didn't think about it being a, because I didn't think about it being a Patronus at all. Well, I thought it was a Patronus and I was like, okay, is it his stag? Or Snape's doe? But probably not. Probably his stag? I don't know. Or his father, who I think is also a stag. Yeah, but wasn't... Like, didn't you get the sense that this was an ominous dream? Not that I recall. I don't feel like it seemed ominous when I was reading it. But what what would it be ominous for? I don't know. Like, I expected, as soon as it's like, and then Harry dreamed, I expected something, like, really obviously foreshadowing. And then I was just confused. Yes, I agree. Um, okay, I'm just going to find this because I don't want us to say something incredibly stupid just because we can't remember. But he says he's walking through a forest, his fireball over his shoulder, following something silvery white. See, that's where I think oh. I got Patronus. Silverly oh, wh- he's holding the fireball. What? I got this all wrong. This, he's, he's, yeah, he's chasing the silvery white thing. Oh. And he can only catch glimpses of it, blah, blah, blah. And he heard hooves gathering speed. Ahead he could hear galloping. So, yeah, that's where I got Patronus, is that it was silverly, silvery white. Oh. Which I think make What else would it be but a Patronus? But I don't... I still don't think the meaning of the dream is clear, even if we think about the whole book. Well, and he hasn't... Like, he doesn't know that his or his dad's is a stag yet. I don't think. No. Like, his, he produces that Patronus, but he doesn't even really see it, because he's ca- no. catching the snitch. Yeah, I don't think his was even really a, a form, though. It was just stronger. So, I guess 
maybe it's supposed to kind of foreshadow that when he produces the Patronus across the lake. Yeah. But it's not super clear, I don't think. No. And it's weird for her to kind of include things that aren't intentional. Oh, I'm sure it's intentional. I just don't know that it's com- as well executed, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not a big deal. You forget about it, you know, almost instantly. But mm-hmm. So he's rudely awakened from this dream, so maybe he would have found out what it was <laughs> by Ron screaming bloody murder. Yeah, and then he saw Sirius Black was here. Uh-huh, sure, Ron. <laughs> yeah. But then he really was. He was there. Holding a knife, slashing the curtain. That's very menacing. Looking deranged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at this point, we're scared. Yeah. Right? The guy's got a knife. But, but nothing happens. No. And that is some topic for discussion. Why doesn't he just... So everyone assumes he's looking for Harry, right? And that kind of is true, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't kill, just kill Ron. Ron screams. He has the wrong bed. Ron screams. No, he doesn't have the wrong bed. No, because he, he was looking for... Scabbers. Yes. That's what is assumed. And, like, that's what Harry assumes it is it was the wrong bed. But then he's puzzled. It's like, he should have, like, if this is the guy that kills so mercilessly then why not just kill all of us sleeping children yeah you know and and so but what i i can't remember like he's confused too like he so black fled right after ron yelled but how did he escape i don't know is it you know like he was in the common room or whatever. I okay, we'll have to pay attention to see if this gets revealed. Does he use the the fireplace? Cuz that's something he uses later on. I I think it's just all under the assumption that he's transformed, like he's in his animal form, mm-hmm. that that's how he gets past the dementors and stuff. But I still Presumably like still wouldn't notices a would dog. see the dog, right, <laughs> in the common room. Okay, so we'll have to pay attention for when everything gets revealed, mm-hmm. if that's explained. And then the ultimate sad note that ends this chapter. <laughs> you know, as McGonagall comes into the commotion, and, you know, how did Black get into the, into the common room? Oh, the portrait let him in. He had the passwords on a list. <laughs> what idiot did that? Oh, it was Neville, of course. Oh. But it's, it's the what's his night. It's his fault because he always changes the password. Neville never had a chance. That's right. Poor Neville. I did notice Neville fesses up right away. Mm-hmm. Oh, so sad. <laughs> And then, you know, the chapter continues, or the next chapter uh, picks up with Neville gets detention. Neville gets, like, a bunch of points off. Neville is banned from Hogsmeade. And gets a howler. Gets a howler from his grandmother. And is, no one is allowed to tell him the password anymore. I know. <laughs> that is, that's rough. 
<laughs> so, they have now, right, security is obviously beefed up. There are security trolls. Are these, like, same giant, like, menacing trolls that we encounter other points? Oh. Like the big stupid one that whose yeah. Ron shoved a wand up his, their nose? Yes. I don't know. I didn't think about that. How many kinds of trolls can there be? I don't know, but it doesn't seem like those should just be hanging out in the castle either. And they're well-trained. Security troll. Or they're being mind-controlled. Because, you know, wizards aren't above that sort of thing. <laughs> I don't know if trolls have enough brain mind to control. <laughs> uh. It's like an elite... Like a half troll force corporation <laughs> troll you can hire force. out. <laughs> I imagine them like mall cops. <laughs> I am. I was more like secret service, private security. You know. No mall cops. <laughs> I mean, that does not instill a lot of confidence. No, not really. But yeah, but everyone's going a little crazy. I like Filch. Filch boarding up the cat hole or the rabbit. The rabbit hole. The mouse holes. <laughs> yep. All the holes. All the holes. No more holes. And Flitwick teaching the door to recognize black. I thought that was cool. I, yeah, I did too. Like, because the doors are have some cognizant awareness. Yeah. It's kind of like Though. fingerprint scanning entering the door <laughs> or something. But I also imagine the doors to be a little bit slow and... Not keen to listen. Like him having to, <laughs> to keep their attention a lot. Now listen. No, pay attention. Come on. Look right here. Do you see me? <laughs> and that's a good image. Yeah. Uh, and Ron is enjoying his newfound fame as the person who was almost murdered by Sirius Black. Right. Yeah. Totally hamming it up. Yes. You know, there are advantages to being best friends with the boy who lived. Yeah, your second or, fiddle, but occasionally you get in on some exciting action. Mostly because you had a creepy person rat living with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we receive a letter from Hagrid summoning them to the hut. The hut. For tea. Yeah. He is none too pleased with them. No. I forgot that this scene existed, and I quite liked it. I did, too. It's like, because Hagrid is kind of a pushover at times. Mm-hmm. And here he is, like, taking on that sort of pseudo-fatherly authority-ness and laying it out for them. Yeah. And we find out that Hermione, with all the work she has to do, has been also busting her butt preparing for Buckbeak's trial. Which Ron and Harry have completely spaced. Yes. They're like, oh, right. Oopsie. And, you know, Hagrid voices his concern that Hermione is overworked and lonely. Well, she's been coming down and visiting him and crying and saying all those things. Yeah. And Hagrid, you know, delivers the I'm disappointed in you line of I thought you two would value friendship more than broomsticks or rats. Yeah. And I was like, got him. And <laughs> I was all team Hagrid right there. You yeah. know, 
But then Ron was like, Ron wasn't, he didn't get it. Still, he was being a jerk. Yeah. Like, I feel like when they leave the, the sh- leave Hagrid's hut, they're properly shamed. But then immediately after that, it has no effect. Because, you know, right after that is next Hogsmeade weekend. And oh, Hermione yeah. says, you know, if you go, I'm going to tell that you have the map. So that completely erases Hagrid's lecture from their mind. And they're like, screw right. you, Hermione. Yeah. I did want to, like, because Ron's still doing the, like, if she would just apologize, it'd be fine thing. I thought Hagrid's response was brilliant. It's like, people can be a bit stupid about their pets. Like, don't you agree? (laughs) And at first I was like, yeah, Ron's being stupid about scabbers. And then I was like, wait, but Hermione's being stupid about Crookshanks. But wait, Hagrid is always stupid about (laughs) monster pets. (laughs) Yes. And so, like, in the midst of his child, too, like, he kind of, like, it's kind of an acknowledgement of that. Mm -hmm. But hey, like, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. So I thought it was a good line. Yes, it definitely was. You know, but good lines are not, we're still mad at Hermione now. (laughs) You know, because she is concerned for Harry, right? Is that, oh, someone tried to murder you and you're going to go tra-la-lying off to Hogsmeade. Well, it was kind of dumb. Yes. And he, it almost goes very poorly. I don't know if Hermione was, like, right to threaten him in that way, but he also just completely disregards everything and anyone. Oh, yeah. Okay, and we are very soon going to get to Snape's speech about that. I think Snape is quite right about Harry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. But he goes, so like, he goes anyway to Hogsmeade, of course. But takes the invisibility cloak this time. Yeah. Though, then Ron's just, like, walking around talking to himself. It's like, if that wasn't obvious. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, can't resist the temptation to throw mud in Malfoy's face. Yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, it was stupid. How many times have we said that was stupid to something Harry has done? (laughs) Right. And just, like, can't get enough, and then suddenly his head is out. Floating head, dead giveaway. <laughs> right. But then his response was to to run back as fast as he could to beat Malfoy back. But part of was like, you know, maybe you should go back. Like, isn't that more suspicious? Like, turn up later in the library or something instead of... You know, skidding out in the same hallway as that you were caught in before. Yeah, like just trying to kind of play it off like you were there the whole time and people just couldn't find you. Yeah. That might have been smarter. It's a giant castle. Yeah. Well, he runs back and is immediately picked up by Snape. Mm-hmm. Who, Who knows? Is... Oh, yeah, he knows. And I kind of wanted to read a longish passage because I really think it's very important the reveals that Snape gives us both about Harry and about his father. Okay. So this starts on 284 in my book. 
How extraordinarily like your father you are, Potter, Snape said suddenly, his eyes glinting. He too was exceedingly arrogant. A small amount of talent on the Quidditch field made him think he was a cut above the rest of us too. Strutting around the, the place with his friends and admirers, the resemblance between you is uncanny. My dad didn't strut, said Harry, before he could stop himself, and neither do I. Your father didn't set much store by rules either, Snape went on, pressing his advantage, his thin face full of malice. Rules were for lesser mortals, not Quidditch Cup winners. His head was so swollen. Shut up! Harry was suddenly on his feet. Rage such as he had not felt since his last night in Privet Drive was coursing through him. He didn't care that Snape's face had gone rigid, the black eyes flashing dangerously. What did you say to me, Potter? I told you to shut up about my dad, Harry yelled. I know the truth, all right. He saved your life. Dumbledore told me. You wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for my dad. Snape's sallow skin had gone the color of sour milk. And did the headmaster tell you the circumstances in which your father saved my life, he whispered? Or did he consider the details too unpleasant for precious Potter's delicate ears? Harry bit his lip. He didn't know what had happened and didn't want to admit it, but Snape seemed to have guessed the truth. I would hate for you to run away with a false idea of your father, Potter, he said, a terrible gr grin twisting his fa face. Have you been imagining some glorious heroism? Then let me correct you. Your saintly father and his friends played a highly amusing joke on me that would have resulted in my death if your father hadn't gotten cold feet at the last moment. There was nothing brave about what he did. He was saving his own skin as much as mine. Had their joke succeeded, he would have been expelled from Hogwarts. That is heavy. Yeah. Do you remember reading that for the first time? Not specifically. But I think it still rings pretty true now. Like, you know, as Harry as well, probably even though he hates Snape, like, is clearly a little taken aback by it all. Yeah, I mean, and, like, Snape is obviously no angel in this scenario either. He rejoices in making Harry feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um. And And Harry is not... I don't think he's as arrogant as his father is portrayed when his father was a kid. Mm -hmm. But he certainly has some of that in him and certainly the potential to be more like that. Well, yeah, and you didn't read the part, maybe it was a little prior, but he's like, you know, here we all are trying to protect you. Like, we think that you're the target here. The whole school is on lockdown because of you. Everyone is going above and beyond to protect you. And what do you do in return? Is you waltz out of here in secrecy? Like, because you think you can handle it? Because you think you deserve a little bit more freedom? Like, I get that Harry wants that. And, sure, proven himself worthy or whatever. But... Like, I think that's a more startling point, right? Like, we have all done this for you. Mm-hmm. Show some respect for that. Yeah. And that's something... Harry doesn't willfully ignore that. It never occurs to him, really. No. 
because he's got this complete loner mentality. You know, and he, like, he wants, he doesn't want to be different and he wants to be normal and whatever, but yet, whether it's, you know, growing up with Dudley all those years or what have you, and just kind of being stubborn, he, like, wouldn't admit anything like that. And I remember feeling completely shocked about this you know, hint that something quite malicious was going on between Snape and James and that James is the instigator of this. Yeah, but don't you kind of forget about it until later? What do you mean? Like, forget about the incident until it's all revealed later? I don't know. I I remember being like, Whoa, Harry's dad is a jerk. <laughs> and like he's that's not as simple as that, obviously. I think he matures to be a decent human being, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't expect the hero's dad to be a bully, basically. So you trust completely what Snape is saying. That's interesting. I don't I I guess I don't remember if I then doubted it. Because I think you're right. Like, Harry will try and justify this to himself and say that Snape is lying or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't quite remember what I would have, I actually would have thought about that. But thinking about it now, still, it's, it's a little like, oh, that's right. James has done some stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's not as all, as clear cut and heroic as, as Harry wants to think of him. But he also has no basis of knowledge for him. So he takes in and assumes good things, understandably. And and we don't necessarily have such a nuanced view of parents yeah. and, and for folks that you don't know. Yeah. And I think Snape's characterization that he only saves him to save his own skin is unfair. Yeah. But, I mean, he is correct. I mean, he's in that... Snape is only in that situation, you know, because of, you know, what James thinks is a fun joke. Mm-hmm. And then it gets only worse for Harry because he demands that he turn out his pockets. And he's got Zonko's tricks in there. Yeah. How are you going to explain that one, Harry? Oh, I've had them for ages. Clearly, I just carry them around with me. <laughs> And this little bit of parchment. Yes. And it was just Snape is obviously suspicious of and tries to, you know, figure out what it is. I do love the insults that it tells <laughs> to him. Like, Mr. Mooney presents his compliments to Professor Snape and begs him to keep his abnormally large nose out of other people's business. <laughs> or Mr. Padfoot would like to register his astonishment that an idiot like that ever became a professor. I imagine that these are the kinds of things that the gang said to him as a child. That's not very nice. No. (laughs) And things are looking really bad for Harry right now. Well, but then Snape demands to see Lupin. Yes. Because he suspects what this piece of parchment is, or is, or at least who had a hand in it. Okay, is it that, like, 
that's what I wasn't sure about. Like, he claims it's like, oh, you're the dark arts. This is clearly dark magic. But then he sort of seems to know that he might be one of these people. But does he know that? I think he does. Like, he knows that they were all... But no one else knows that, like, Lupin obviously becomes a werewolf, but no one knows about the rest of them. I don't... Okay, now I don't know. But I was when I was reading it, I was under the impression that he knows who these people are and knows that Lupin is involved and figures that, you know, since this is connected to Black, that this is a trap for Harry. Well, yeah, because he asks, because Lupin plays it off like it's, it's an, it's nothing, it's a joke parchment, but then Snape is like, you know, wink, wink, you don't think he got it from the maker or something, mm-hmm. the map maker, and Lupin still denies it, but then later, to Harry, Lupin admits like he knows the map makers, right? Mm-hmm. And the map maker would want to lure you out of school. Yeah. So, so that does suggest black, but I, I still don't know how Snape would know that. I'm not entirely sure either, and I think this is another thing we should keep an eye on when all is revealed to maybe see. If that's explained more clearly. But the... I mean, the map wasn't really... The map isn't really connected to the plot, though, in that way. No, it's not. But I think Lupin... Is suspicious, too, right? Because right now he thinks Black is a bad dude. And Black had a hand in making the map. Yeah... Or, yeah, somehow it could be used for detriment. Yeah. And he does lecture Harry about it. Mm-hmm. For not turning it in. Mm-hmm. He gives the Hermione lecture. Well, yeah. After all of this, come on. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. I, okay, before Snape leaves, I do love the moment where Ron bursts in sweating and just says, I gave him that stuff from Zonko's ages ago with no context whatsoever. Yeah, because that's not suspicious. No, it's not suspicious. And Lupin's like, well, see, there you go. Perfectly reasonable explanation. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And this, I mean, this whole scene, while it served a function, obviously, it is a bit like, wait, what? <laughs> This all went down, and then nothing, and... Yeah, it's kind of surprising that he gets off. Yeah, how does Snape stand for that, that Lupin just walked him out of the room? I don't know. You would think he wouldn't stand for that, but apparently he does. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is where Lupin says, you know, this is a bad way to repay your parents' gift. Basically a nicer way of saying what Snape was saying. Um, I think a worse way of saying that. Okay, well, yeah, it's not as yelly, but it's certainly more shame-inducing. Yeah, because it's not just like, oh, all the general us are we here at Hogwarts. Now it's like, 
Uh, did you forget your parents died saving you? Like, they want you to be something, so quit it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, maybe effective for half an hour on Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, And then the chapter finishes with finding out the Buckbeak is going to be executed. So it's a real downer all around. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I do like that this pronouncement uh, prods Ron to both make up with Hermione and to spend all this time researching Buckbeak's case for the appeal. Mm -hmm. He finally gets some perspective and the scene is like dramatically awkward okay maybe here's some of your awkwardness i'll give it to you here right she like tearfully apologizes and so does ron and then she hugs him and he's like oh my gosh what are you doing he's past the top of her head (laughs) and is like more relieved when she lets go and all that yeah like yeah they have a long history of awkward hugs (laughs) which is kind of funny i've noticed this hermione is a hugger like a repressed one, though. But she, she's always giving Harry and Ron awkward hugs. I think it's just awkward because they're, like, 13-year-old boys. Oh, sure. I know, but I just, I don't quite, it doesn't seem to quite fit with her personality. You know, she's often crying when she's giving these hugs. <laughs> well, she does have a few whims of, like, she can get worked up. So. Yeah. And this chapter, Hermione is going to get worked up. <laughs> uh, yeah. What? Oh, we start off with the big incident. Yeah. Malfoy's all insulting poor Hagrid, who's blundering along. And Hermione slaps him. Right in the face. <laughs> and was going to do it again. Oh, yeah. One was not enough. <laughs> Okay, I have to be honest, and this makes me feel ashamed, but I totally don't recollect this from the book and only have that image from the movie, and my thought is always like, but that's made up in the movie. (laughs) Well, I didn't think that, but I did sort of not remember that this is what causes her to slap him. Oh. I I remember the slap, but I didn't remember the reason, but I kind of like that it's for Hagrid. Shut up, Malfoy. <laughs> yeah, she's she's basically broken at this point. Oh, yeah. She's broken in spectacular fashion. <laughs> yeah, but then she does a, a little disappearing act again. Doesn't show up at class. Yeah, she misses cheering charms. Which maybe... She's, w- very, she's very upset about. Yes, she is very upset. And Ron thinks she pro- that would probably have been a practical charm for Hermione at this point. <laughs> Yes, but instead, they have to go to divination. Boo divination. And look at the the crystal orb. Yes, because the fates have informed Professor Trelawney that crystal balls will be on the exam. (laughs) (laughs) As Hermione points out, obviously. (laughs) No duh, you stupid, stupid woman. Yeah, she's not having it. No. And then, of course, Trelawney sees the grim in Harry's crystal ball. Hey, to be fair, all that grim stuff turns out to be kind of true. Well, 
okay, but Trelawney, yes, <laughs> I suppose. But Trelawney's not like, you always see a dog who's secretly your godfather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been more telling. Yes. And Hermione's like, not that ridiculous grim again. Basically right to her face. Yeah, and then Trelawney tells her off and how she's such a dull-minded girl, yada yada. <laughs> and so she's like, fine, I quit. See ya. Dramatic exit. She kicks the trap door open. <laughs> I really enjoyed that visual image of her just kicking the door. Oh. Yeah. All the while disturbing the clairvoyant vibrations. Ah, uh, well, I'm sure class will go much better now that <laughs> mundane Hermione is gone. <laughs> oh, but good for Hermione. I always like this. Yes, I I enjoy her unhinged day. <laughs> well, and just recognizing that divination is crap. Yes, yes. And not worth her Everyone time. knows it. She's just the only one who says it. I think is it Ron or her or Ron or Harry who goes someday Hermione's having huh yeah <laughs> and then more Quidditch these are very Quidditch heavy chapters well yes it's the final match and they need to win by 100 200 points or something yes to win, win the cup more. yeah which I didn't realize that that's how it worked based on points yes. Not really wins and losses. Point well, differential. I, I think, yeah. Well, which when you only play three games a season, I guess you have to have some tiebreakers. I, I know, and that was something that was never obvious to me at the beginning. Was that was they eat? They just played everyone once, until like on rereads, it's like, wait, you have? Huh, you play once, you know. You should at least play him twice, you'd think. Yeah. Well, she didn't want to write even more Quidditch, I guess. That's probably yeah, why. It does take up a lot of time. Yeah. Well, they're playing Slytherin. Yep. Uh, but there's, the night before, he has a funny dream. Again. Yes. What was it? Oh, that that Neville was him? Yeah. Which is oh, he was of funny. Like, oh, I know. I totally thought that was intentional. Yeah, that's very subtle and won't pay off for a very long time. And so the dream wakes him up and then he sees out the window, Crookshanks and a dog. Hmm. This is the first time, well, I guess we saw them together earlier. No, we didn't. Yeah, we and really just saw Crookshanks last time. You know... I always say that I never predict what's going on in books because I'm just dumb. But in this book, you really can't. Because even though she gives you all these hints about scabbers and crookshanks and a dog, you have no knowledge that these people are able to turn into animals. Well, no one does. That's yeah. why it's worked all this time. So you can't really be clever and, like, notice these things as you're reading it the first time. It's only in retrospect. No, it's true. And even though I I feel like this has never... Historically, I didn't like this book that much. It is really interesting. And there's a... Like, in part for what you just said. And it's the most we get into some of this this new 
unveiling of detail and information and all that nuance going forward. And it's in a very creative way, in an unexpected way. And isn't yeah. this the only book we don't really meet Voldemort? Voldemort's not in this book. Yeah, it's not about Voldemort really at all. Mm-hmm. And really, I feel this like this book has a ton. It feels like like the most normal year at school they have. Yeah, I mean it's black. Obviously, causes some issues, but but also they generally get to do everything. Yeah, normal. and. And they're not directly engaged with Black. He's, for the most of the book, a little bit of a distant threat. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not trying to discover something or, you know, confront him. Yeah, that's true. Oh, so, oh, back to Quidditch. <laughs> I got distracted. <laughs> Slytherins, of course, play a dirty game because that's just how they do. But okay, I did like... That the chasers actually matter in this match because they have to win by a certain number of points. Yes. Though, then Harry has to timely catch the snitch. Yes. And I was thinking, I'm sure a bajillion people have said this before me, but the snitch shouldn't be worth points. It should just end the game. And that's the only way to end the game. So then the strategic part is to catch it when your team is up and prevent this other seeker from catching it when their team is up. Yeah. But then it seems like it could go on forever. It already does go on forever. (laughs) They talk about really long Quidditch matches. Yeah, it's true. No, anything would be better than the way it's set up now. Yeah, I feel like if if it just wasn't worth points, it it would work fine. And the secrets could still be the hero, really. It's still exciting to catch the snitch and end the game. Which Harry does catch the snitch, end the game, win the Quidditch Cup. Hooray, hooray. It's a, it was a good match, though. I mean, I, at least in these two matches, Harry had to struggle a little bit more. Yes. He doesn't catch it in, like, insanely dramatic fashion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like McGonagall is getting really into the game at this point, too. Yeah, she cries when they win. Yeah, she's yelling things and whatnot. <laughs> but finally, I mean, it kind of goes, I feel like, unnoticed on my radar as a reader, but, like, it's an important thing. Like, this is this is huge for, for the, them, for the kids at school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is the first time Harry's actually won the cup. It's the first time Gryffindor has won in eight years, seven years. Yeah. Now Wood can go off and be happy. <laughs> He could die happy. Yes, now. he can die happy. Uh, and I like the line that, you know, Harry felt like he could have produced the world's best Patronus. It's a little cheesy, but uh, I'll give it to you. Yeah, I suppose. But we're in a cheesy moment. We've won the cup. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. Ron and Hermione have made up. Everything's fabulous. And that's where our chapters end. Um,. I have to say, I am enjoying this. Just like the second book, I'm enjoying this book more than I thought I would. Hmm. No, I am too. Like I said, it's good. I think what it is, is like as a kid, I felt more keenly the angst or something of the books. <laughs> and it, wa- it, wa- it made me angsty in a way that uh-huh. reading the angst doesn't make me angsty now. <laughs> right. Past all that yeah. nonsense. 
That's possible. Yeah. We'll be curious how the fifth book feels, because that's my horrific memory of it being angsty. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I get people's reaction to that book, but at the same time, I really like the darker turn that that starts to take, and, like, the thickening of the plot. So, I like, you know, book five really marks the, the beginning of that. Um, but that's a ways away. So next <laughs> next time we're going to talk about, what is it, chapters uh, 16, 17, 18? That sounds right. It's, I have the names here. It's Trelawney's Prediction, Cat, Rat, Dog, and Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. Wait, is this the end of the book? No, we'll have one more episode where I think we'll do four chapters after this. Oh, because this seems like the big reveal. Yes. I Yeah, I am interested to see wait, what's going to be in these chapters versus what's going to be in our last episode. Uh, oh. Oh, I know. In the last episode, we got to turn back time. Oh, if I could turn, <laughs> turn back, back time. time. Yes, okay. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you'll, you can turn into the last episode of this book for a singing share. <laughs> Oh, no. Until then, <laughs> tune in next week uh, where we'll at least get some of our, most of our major reveals, I think. So that'll be good. And uh, if you would like to rate and review us on iTunes, that helps us out a lot if you're feeling generous. We are also on Stitcher if you prefer. And you can follow us on Twitter at, at Weird Sisters Pod. Until next time, bye. Bye.